0: Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm
1: host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal
0: growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co host Ben Brandell. It is time for another Myth Monday podcast and kind of in a sad fashion, it is our final Myth Monday podcast. That is right, this is the last Myth Monday podcast we're gonna do, so it's gonna be a little different than all the other ones. Uh, we have some new directions we're wanting to move in 2023, but w- there are some topics that we have on our list that we have not covered, uh, so we are going to hit, let's see, uh, 13 of them 13. in just one episode. Yes. Now that doesn't mean we're gonna go for 13 hours,
1: we could. We could. <laughs> we, we probably really could. could.
0: We're going to keep it short and sweet on each one, but these are several that we wanted to hit. Ones that you guys, I'm sure, have heard before, and hopefully at least one of them uh, you will learn something from. But before we get started, Ben, let's give thanks.
1: You know, the holidays are coming up. I'm, again, thankful for family, um, thankful for friends, thankful for you know, my family seems to be growing, um, a lot of marriages, and so really welcoming in the new family, the new people into the family, you know. Um, I love to see when families grow and ours is, so it's awesome to meet new people and, and to uh, learn their traditions and, yeah, just bringing more people into relationship.
0: Yeah, I'm thankful for just all the opportunities that this season brings to to spend time with your family. There's just so many things to go do, whether it's look at Christmas lights or, or, or go meet the Grinch or go see Santa or... There's just so many activities and things that you can go do with your family. I've really been enjoying spending time with with my wife and kids doing these things. And now it's usually not things that I would I would pick to do for myself, but boy, I sure enjoy doing it with them. So I'm thankful the the Christmas season that we've had the last couple of weeks and all the all the cool things that we've got to do together. Well, before we jump into our, our list and Final Myth Monday here, uh, just a, a few housekeeping tips. If you're not following us on Facebook or Instagram, please do. We, li- we like to post videos of, of podcast episodes we have coming up. We also kind of keep you up to date with what we're doing with our in-person teaching and some of the programs that we're out doing here locally. Also, if you want to support the podcast in 2023, um, you know our, our first episode of 2023 is going to be really um, putting forth our mission and our direction. And Ben and I, I think we understand or maybe not understand, but we're really going to embrace who we are, who we believe we are, who God is telling us that we are. Um, and if you want to get on board with that and support us, uh, we need your help. We really do. We need your help to keep this going. Uh, right now we're really just kind of going, uh, calling it a leap of faith. Um, but we're, we're putting our family's own money into this and time, and we do spend a lot of time at it. So if you are enjoying this um, and you like it, the, the mission of what Ben and Brian and Meant to Be Outdoors are trying to do to encourage, inspire people to spend time outdoors and connect people to their creator who made it all, then please help us. Um, and the best way to do that, go to our social media accounts and you will find a link in the about section of each of those. And you can click on that link. It's, it's a link tree and it will show you all of our, everything Meant to Be Outdoors. And the one that's called Patreon, you can go to that and you can uh, basically pledge to donate uh, to us monthly, uh, $5, 10 or $25, and that would go to uh, supporting this podcast and helping us uh, get our message out of what we believe, and we would greatly appreciate that support. Anything you would like to I- add in on the housekeeping side, Ben? It takes a lot of time to put together what you and I put together, um, and I remember when
1: we first, the idea popped into, I'll say your mind more <laughs> than mine, but uh, podcast, let's do a podcast, you know? Um, did not realize the, the time that it takes to, to really put one together that um, that we feel is put together correctly and, and gives truth. You know, that's right. that's something you and I really pride ourselves in is we want it to be true. We want what we're sharing to be the truth, to share truth. And that's really kind of how Myth Minutes started, or Myth, I keep calling it Myth Minutes and have for a while. Myth Mondays um, really kind of came about. And I am sad to see it really wrap up today, you know, this this was really kind of that, that thing that was in my mind of, like, let's get some truth out there. Let's share it. And it's been awesome to see God transform that as well to to give us some more ideas and thoughts that we can uh, present for 2023. Yeah. And that, you know, this isn't our very last podcast. This is just the last Myth yeah. Monday podcast.
0: And be be sure to listen um, a week a week from this podcast coming out, it's going to be our first podcast of 2023, and um, it's really just going to be a rundown of, of what to expect from from Men to Be Outdoors podcast uh, for 2023, and uh, hopefully some people will be excited about it. There are going to be some things the same, some things a little more focused, but there's going to be some things that, that are very different as well, and we hope that God blesses it all. Yeah. Myth Mondays, for me, was was really all about centered around,
1: honestly, this scripture, which is First Timothy 6. And it would be verse 20, um, really through 21. It says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. You know, that's why we've had, uh, for me personally, that's why I've had such a fun time um, sharing the truth getting some of those false things that we were saying and, and have been um, using in our verbiage uh, to try to get it out. Cause it's really hard to do. I mean, I'm going to put Brian on the spot. Uh, he still calls them possum, you huh. know, and I, it is hard to say, opossum oh, possum. And, and we hold each other accountable, accountable to that and many other things, but um, really wrapping it up here. Just, these are all the ones we've identified as, as uh possible miss or, or just using them incorrectly, the words incorrectly. And um, yeah, I can't can't wait to break them all down for you.
0: Yeah, as we've gone through some of these and and got deep into the Myth Monday, which we've done over thirty of them now, uh, each one was kind of like, well, why why are we doing this, and do people care, or why why does anybody care, and why do we care? And really, the answer was, well, well, truth matters, and why does it matter? And that's because Scripture says that it does, and all truth is God's truth, and so um, we we kind of have. On our hearts to share that we're going to continue doing that, but in, in a different way uh, in the coming year. So, with all that being said, are you ready to go through 13 Myth Monday myths? In should we put a time limit on it? No way, no, <laughs> no way. way. <laughs> some will go really quick. Some we'll we'll have to talk about a little. We'll little have more to elaborate sure. on a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're kind of we've kind of broken this down into a few categories here. Uh, so we've got a few. Firearms myths that we're going to hit, that we've been wanting to hit on. And then we've got several animal ones. We've That's kind of been an overlying theme to our myths. We've had a lot of animal and wildlife ones. We've got several of those. We've got a few survival ones. And then we even have a bonus Christmas myth to end with. All right, so let's start it off. Let's first break down the firearm
1: side. So that we have two myths inside of the firearms category. The first one is the difference between ammunition and bullets. Take it away, Brian.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, you'd hear, you would heard ammo or ammunition. Ammo's just short for that and bullets. But h- how people use the word bullet is I need to go get some bullets for my gun. I gotta go, go buy to the- some bullets. I need to buy some bullets. You got any bullets I I can have in my gun? We're going hunting. do I have any bullets. And that's how people use it. However, a bullet is actually just a piece of a round of ammunition. Mm-hmm. And what you are actually putting into your firearm is is a round or multiple rounds of ammunition. So let's take a, a, a rifle cartridge, for example. So you have your piece of metal or your brass.
1: So the very end, that the part that's going to spark is called your primer.
0: Yep. You have your primer that goes in the end. You've got your, your brass, and then you're going to fill it with powder. Gunpowder. And, and then you've got to have a bullet, which is actually the projectile that is going into the end. Right. When all of those pieces come together to complete the puzzle, That is ammo or ammunition.
1: Right. The whole thing, the case on the outside, that whole thing is the round of ammunition. The whole
0: thing together is ammunition. Now, when you pull the trigger, the primer goes, sparks, hits the powder, the powder combusts, and the bullet leaves the casing, and out of your rifle, now you have just a bullet. The projectile that is actually leaving the firearm, once you pull the trigger, that is a bullet. But somebody had to put that... Together with all the other pieces to make a round of ammunition. So it drives me crazy when I hear people at the store saying, "Oh, I'm here today to get bullets. I got to get bullets for my such and such." And I'm like, "Well, oh, you reload ammo? Oh, no, that's too much work for me. I'm just here to buy. I'm looking, I'm looking to get store, stock up on bullets. And one bullet by itself's not going to do a whole lot of good for your gun because it's got some missing pieces."
1: You know, I just thought of this. I guess if you're shooting a BB gun, or a pellet gun, that'd be the only time that you'd be buying bullets. I guess so. Right? Yeah. By our definition, by what we shared, mm-hmm. so it just came to me because man, someone out there yeah, might be chomping at the bit. I guess you could but call that. A bullet. All you're doing is loading in the bullet, and the bullet is leaving that that firearm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, shotguns the same way. You have your primer, you have your gunpowder. You do you have a wad? in there and mm-hmm. sometimes well that does come out you can see yeah, that paper or plastic mostly paper, plastic today yeah um but your projectiles are still within that casing or that shell and and that's what's really taking down the animal is the bullet yeah within the round of ammunition yeah that's All right.
0: good. so what's the second one for second firearms one, second
1: one who this one you and i hear this one so much <laughs> i've said this one <laughs> you know i I don't even know what I used to say. Uh, I was told this. I I didn't know. I was
0: confused. The first, I mean, for so, I'm going to say two decades of my life, like, I just didn't know what this, either of these really meant. I thought they were just the same thing, different words.
1: So, Clip versus Mag. Yeah. And. Mag is short for magazine. Right. Clip's short for Clip. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But I have, I, I'm pretty sure I've said magazine most of my life, and I don't know why. I want to say that I was told the truth a long time ago, and I think that's why I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. But I've got a lot of family members, friends, a lot of people around us that use the word clip. Yeah, well, and mil- military
0: personnel will call you out on this one. They will, yeah. They we've will. got
1: some military friends that, that have called us... People around us that we've shot with, and and, well, they don't call you out, they try to educate, you know, they want to educate, which I truly feel like we're doing. Depends how well they know you, (laughs) that's true, too.
0: (laughs) They'll call you out if they're your friend.
1: So, majority of the people that are shooting firearms today will not and are not using clips. Mm -mm. So, we are all using magazines, especially with modern day gun. We are using magazines. So, let's break down the difference. Yeah, so Brian, share.
0: So, a magazine, which you're going to see many times today, uh, people with the way things are in the news are are so familiar with, um, we're going to call them assault rifles, even though that's not what they are. Fun, uh uh-oh, we're going to make it 14. I'm throwing in a sneaky Uh one here. So, they call them AR-15s, and people think the AR stands for assault rifles. It actually stands for- Air rifle. Air rifle, yeah, air (laughs) rifle. No, it actually stands for armor light rifle. They're not assault rifles. That is not what the ar means. That's not what that even stands for in AR-15. But anyway, we're so familiar with that platform now because it's so often in the news, but you see the large 30 round magazines that come in and out of those. That's a clip. Get out of here. (laughs) 30 round magazines that come in and out of those. So that is actually how you are loading. Now that we know what ammunition is, that's how you're putting ammunition into that gun so that it can be fed into the chamber and fired but those are removable you have to load the ammunition into them away from the rifle and then you put it into the rifle to be used a clip is much different and like you said more like world war ii and even before that and it was more of a way to store and organize your ammunition so that you could quickly load it into the magazine that was already in your rifle rather than carrying a bunch of magazines like they do today and slapping them in your rifle when you needed a a fresh one. They had these clips which is basically like a metal strip and you lined your ammo up on them and then when you needed ammunition into your mag that was in your rifle you opened usually a bolt-action rifle like a Mauser and you would push this clip down into the mag and the clip would load your mag but with so many semi-automatic rifles today, and larger magazine capacities, and optics on top of there. Clips are not really, an and they're obsolete. Well, really they're anymore.
1: I won't say ob- they're uncommon. Uncommon. They're yeah. uncommon. You know, there. I know people that are listening probably have some, mm-hmm. but majority of people listening don't. Right. And, and you're not going to really go to the store and, and probably so purchase. I
0: have there. seen friends and and fa- some family members that have ammo clips but they don't use them for the same purpose before it's more like if you have loose rounds around your gun safer and your ammo box and people will organize them it's like a place to store these rounds on these clips but they're not really used the way they were before as like almost like a quick loader
1: so moving forward you are using a magazine inside your rifle yep. and that's what they're called as magazines not clips
0: yep. if if a magazine if, if it goes into your rifle with your ammo in it and then you have to take it out and reload it to put it back in that is a magazine or mag for short. It is not a clip. It is not a clip of ammunition.
1: So it's it's so you're not taking your bullets and ever putting them in your clip. <laughs> oh
0: God! Right? right? I think you know I'm I'm balding, but I think you just made the best of my hair fall out when you put them together like that. My goodness! Gotta yeah. go buy
1: bullets. Put it in my clip. See how yep.
0: many how many Myth Mondays can you get wrong in one sentence? There you go. You right. you need to go shoot the possum. So you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they go shoot the possum, so you took your bullet in your clip and, and put yeah. it in your assault rifle, <laughs>
1: yeah, didn't feed him the perch and feed him the perch, okay, all right, we're gonna move on, all right, we're getting into animals, time for animals, animal time, the first one, man, this one I have
0: heard, but I've never believed it ever ever it's never even been like a is that even is that even kinda true? I'm not gonna say it that i i I'm not going to say I believed it. I'm going to say that I there was a long time that I never stopped to really truly think about what was being said, that I just kind of took it. So maybe I did believe it, mm-hmm. but my goodness, when I first thought about what was actually being said to me, it was just like, there ain't no way. There's no way. So And the myth is...
1: A lot of people say that a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> I'm just laughing because my dog threw up yesterday.
1: It did, on the couch? It did leave the room. <laughs> yeah, I was gagging. I thought, yeah, let me go there and kiss that dog's mouth. Yeah. Come on, a dog's mouth is not cleaner than a human's mouth. No, and I don't even have to even pull up data to support this. You don't in need regards the science. To, no, I don't need science. Somebody to sit there and, and tell me how many bacteria pieces of bacteria are in my mouth and its mouth. I, I a dog licks its rear end to clean it. Mm-hmm. And I don't. <laughs> Enough said. Thanks for
0: that statement.
1: <laughs> Enough said. Yeah, That's
0: it. I'll, I'll, th- I'll provide a little science. Oh, a little. Okay, okay.
1: We'll give somebody <laughs> so some more a truth. a little bit of science <laughs> there is that em.
0: humans and dogs both have between 600 and 620 different kinds of bacteria in our mouths. Maybe if somebody were going to find some science to bring some truth to the myth that dogs' mouths are cleaner, it may have came from the fact that we have overlapping types of bacteria, humans and dogs, but we also have a bunch that's different too. So they have things in their mouth that we don't have in our mouth. So maybe because they have different bacteria, they're going to say that they're lacking some of the stuff that we have. But really, when you're looking at numbers, it's about the same. And and again, I mean... (laughs) Have you seen what your dog eats when it's outside? <laughs> I've got a dog that eats chicken turds. I, yeah. The fattest papillon I've ever seen in my life ate so many turkey turds out of the yard that she was about to explode. Like, I think if you'd have poked her with a needle, she'd have popped. Now,
1: and I know there's people that brush their dog's teeth. I don't. Well, my, my dogs dog does don't brush their teeth br- every day. Yet?
0: No. Haven't been able to get them to do that yet. Not yet. <laughs> I do. That's that's going <laughs> to be my explanation. Okay, you brush but your I brush teeth. my teeth okay, every good, day. good. So... We'll just leave it at that. A dog's mouth is not more clean than a human's mouth. You you know if you want them to lick
1: all of your face, that's fine. You do that with your dog. Don't try to give the rest of us this some um, fake excuse. Yeah. To to do that, just you do it if you love your dog that much. Okay. Hopefully you take a shower later that night. Be good to go.
0: Yeah, and some people will say that uh, dogs will people will let dogs lick their wounds. Ooh. Be, because they have these healing properties and their saliva. For themselves. That's also true for us. And I'm not going to lick any wound that I have. Our saliva also has healing properties in it too. So while that is is true, I don't really think it's a great idea because they have over 600 kinds of bacteria in their mouth. I wouldn't let them lick lick your wounds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get into science again. If any animal bites you of any kind, you should go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Because of the bacteria in their mouths, that can get into your blood. that can make you sick yeah so well which animals can bite you anything that has a mouth <laughs> my oldest son always asks me all the time yeah. but it actually hasn't in the last year or so but back when he's like three could that be like, bite you can that bite you And i'm said bodie if it has a mouth it can
0: bite yeah what right? they're what they're really asking is is it gonna bite or me? is it gonna bite me yeah yeah right. probably not but it does have a mouth so it can well that that's gonna be it for our first myth on the animal side what's our second animal myth
1: Get into your favorite, which is deer. Yeah. And I've heard this in regards to, it's usually going to be in the spring. It's when does start having fawns and they're haying and you, you know, you have these little tiny deer, tiny. Yeah. And people are terrified to touch them saying that if you touch these baby deer, yeah, we'll call it a fawn, if you touch this fawn. That the mama's going to want nothing to do with it, and it's going to die. It's abandoned, and you killed it because you you touched it. it.
0: Shame on you.
1: You're a terrible human.
0: Yes. So fawns, when they're born, white-tailed deer fawns, only weigh four to six pounds. I don't think a lot of people realize how tiny they are. Four to six pounds. They're very, very small.
1: So that's lighter than a jug of milk?
0: Yeah. Yeah, a gallon of milk is eight pounds. Right. Yeah, so lighter than a jug of milk. And for the first two weeks of their life, their mama's hiding them and coming back to them, and hiding them and coming back to them. And they are not going to jump up and run away from you during that time period if you walk up to them. You can walk up to them and pick them up and pet them. Now, you should not do that. So by me, I don't want people to confuse, get this confused. Me saying that touching a fawn is not going to kill them is not permission to go touch fawns. It is okay to touch a fawn if they are in danger. So maybe the mom hit them up somewhere and it was actually the place you let your pit bulls out during the day. Well, you need to move the fawn out of there before you let your pit bulls out that's kind of an extreme example but all that to say if they are in danger move them to a shady spot and try not to move them very far because mama has stashed them and she's going to come back to them if you stash that fawn and it does jump up and run away from you we'll let it it's going to go find its own spot and mama's going to come back to it but don't think that she's deserted it because during those first couple weeks she is stashing it, she's going out and feeding and doing her thing, and she is coming back to it. Is she going to smell that you've picked it up and touched it? Yes. But she has just carried that thing for over 200 days and given birth to it. She is not going to abandon it just because it has a little human scent on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if a coyote, let's say, came up grabbed a hold of it, yeah, and for some reason let it go and didn't kill it, right? mama's going to smell that coyote on it, but still raise it, take care of it,
0: and correct give it what it needs so if you need to help save a fawn if it's in a road whatever if you need to touch it to pick it up to move it go ahead and do that because you are helping it the fawn is not going to get abandoned but also on the other side of that so many people think that they are abandoned they bring them in to, to take yeah, don't them and take raise them home them. you don't need to don't take need them to take in fawns and... home there's no reason for that right and you can get in trouble for it because it's against the law as well
1: so well, that is the best point to make yeah it is against it is against the it law is against so the don't law. do it
0: Okay. It is against the law, and it's against the law for good reason. But if you need to touch them to save them, then go ahead and, and touch them and save them. All so right,
1: I, so maybe at this point, a lot of people are starting to see red and get mad. Yeah. Okay? Maybe so. Maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> but here's another one.
0: Yeah, this this one, um, a lot of movies. I've definitely seen this in movies and on TV. Um, even had people tell me this, uh, as as I've worked with Bison and and. I actually used to get asked this all the time when I took care of a bison herd was are they the same as bulls can you wear red around them or can you not And at first I was kind of like what cuz I always took when I, when I heard the myth the myth is that the color red makes bulls mad when I heard that I took that one as I'm not going to say a myth but I took it as almost a joke or a, a movie thing like not real but People really believe that the color red makes bulls mad. So people would ask, do the bison get mad with the color red like like cattle, like bulls do? Took me off guard a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, no, they don't. But if you jump out there and entice it and swing and dance in front of it, he's going to get irritated. He's going to come at you. And so when you look at the, you know, the Spanish matadors swinging their red, I don't even know what they, they have a special name for their red blanket that they're swinging around. It's not that it's the color red. And science can prove that it's actually that they're out there shaking and dancing and making this thing mad. And the reason we know the the science side is that bulls are actually partially colorblind compared to humans, and the part of the color spectrum they're most colorblind to is the color red. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's pretty easy to prove that uh, bulls don't care about the color red. Well,
1: that's a good one because I have heard that one all my life. You know, and, well, and you Children's see it in movies books. and yeah, children books and. Um, and they can keep flapping the red flags around or capes, whatever they are. They, they can move them around, but you're saying it really is the action. Um, right. And looking at bullfighting today, not getting on a crazy tangent, but like bullfighting today, these bulls are trained to attack, mm-hmm. like to come at them, and
0: they're bred for it. <laughs> they
1: are bred for it. Right. So, you know, it isn't a, it isn't color anymore. It is going to be that movement, and um, and so that's a myth.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it is a myth. The next one has to do with snakes. So I know there's some people that listen to this podcast that I know personally. My little sister to be named out is one that don't even like to hear snake talk. So maybe you need to fast forward a few minutes if you don't like snake talk because we're going to talk about snakes here and, in particular, water moccasins, which is one of the snakes here locally that people fear the most. Why is that? So, water moccasin is a nickname for a cottonmouth. Cottonmouth
1: is. The official name, and it is a snake that loves the water. It's it's found by the water. Mm-hmm. That's majority where we're going to find that snake. And that snake, some people have shared that they are very very aggressive. So much as that, they would chase after you. Now, right. I've not heard of anybody that was chased and then was trampled by the snake. Like it locked its legs up and uh-huh. <laughs> tied it up, knocked it over, and bit it. Like what are they gonna do if they're chasing after you? What what would be the end goal? What's your well, goal of that?
0: Right, they're not, they're not viewing you as prey, right? Because you're much much larger than them. Do you know the number one place for people to get bit by snakes? You on mean, the body, the on one the body, place on your body. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say hand. You're exactly right. And why do you think that is? Because people are picking. Because touching, people moving. are messing uh-huh. with snakes. So it's now it's not the only place that people get bit. There's all kinds of. I'd say second's in probably your foot
1: and your, your leg down there. Were. But your
0: ha- hands are number one. So why why would your hand ever be there is the question. And, and of course, there's all kinds of stories when people do get bit of, of what happened. But what I want to say is that cottonmouths are not going to chase you. That is a myth. The word aggressive comes in. They're really not aggressive. They're actually a reclusive species, and they want to be away from people they have um, a defense mechanism called the de- gap mouth function. And so what they do when they are threatened and they don't feel like they can get away, they do what's called gap mouth function, gap mouth function, and they actually coil up, and their head is in the middle of their body. And they coil up and they kind of lift up their head and they open that mouth really wide, basic- basically showing like, I'm mean, I'm bad to the bone, well, I'll get you. That's a cotton mouth. And that's where they get their name, Cotton Mouth, because mm-hmm. when they do that, you see all this very, it's not white, it's actually a really pale pink tissue inside their mouth. And they'll show their fangs. They don't want to bite you, they do not want to because it puts them at risk. And the reason they coil up and put their head in the middle is they can actually tuck their head down inside that coil of their body. They just protect, just to protect their head. And so this gap mouth function makes people think that they're aggressive. But what that snake is really saying is, hey, whoa, back up. And if you do, if you even turn your back on it and walk away, it's not going to chase after you and bite you. It's not going to. That is a myth that these water moccasins will chase you. Now, Ben, you've mentioned before that you've been out on the water in your boat Mm -hmm. and that a water moccasin has come up and tried to get in your boat. I've
1: had both that and water snakes. Water snakes. Both ones venomous ones not right, right. um what I want to share at this point is that we've talked about this before there are snakes well, all animals but there are some snakes within let's just use let's just say a black rat snake mm-hmm. you and I have come in contact with black snakes that literally let us in the wild touch them didn't act like they even cared we went up to other black snakes couldn't even get close enough to touch right they're raising body, you know, they're fake striking. They're they're trying to say, get out of here. Personalities is a great word. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we could talk about the, they, the behavior side. Right. But my point is, is that maybe though that that one cottonmouth that was coming after the boat could have been around a nest. It could have been in an area where it wanted, it could have been wanting to get in my boat because it wanted uh, to rest and relax for a minute. Who knows?
0: It could have thought you were a big logger. Log mat and wanted a place to hide.
1: Correct. Right. I don't know the reason for why I was doing what I was doing. But the myth is a lot of people think that these snakes are just chasing after people. Mm-hmm. You know, like we go outside and everyone's running because here's a snake coming after me. that just isn't happening.
0: Yeah. I want to qualify everything we're sharing about cotton mouse or water moccasins here real fast. In college, I was part of a, a research project. We had to go out to a really well known cottonmouth breeding area it was a a creek here in southwest missouri that was known for their breeding and we were actually capturing and radio tagging and then uh, basically we were studying it was a breeding study studying how far they traveled from the creek the males and females and at one point which i'm not going to date myself this was a while ago we had it was just under a thousand it was over between 900 and a thousand different cottonmouths that we had radio tagged and so when we go out to collect them we had to find them they're not they weren't coming after us we were in their area we were in one of the most densely populated cottonmouth areas in the entire state and probably for several states and that we couldn't hardly find them sometimes we would actually have to use the ra- their radio signals to find some of the ones that we'd already radio tagged but when we were trying to find new ones to radio tag we're flipping rocks i mean we're on land searching these snaky areas, wood piles and rocks along this river. And when we would find one, say I flipped a big rock over and there was a cottonmouth there, most of the time it tried to hide back under the rock that I just flipped or it went the other way. Never once did it ever come after me or anybody that was with me. Never.
1: Right, right. And for those people that are listening that have said, you know what, I have had a snake chasing after me, you may have. And what what we mean by that is that snake is moving from point A to point B, and you were between those. And, two points. and you're between the point, right? It's it's not tracking you down. Like if you were to to spin away from a bull, like you would from a bull, and trying to get away from that bull, pinning you down. If you were to spinning around, that snake ain't gonna whip around and keep keep coming at you. Right. And that's what we're trying to to share here. That, and the reason we want to share that so much is that it terrifies people. They it think does. that sna- these snakes are just gonna come out of nowhere and chase after them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not right. It's not. The truth.
0: Yeah, it is. So hopefully that gives some understanding and maybe a little peace to some people on, on the cottonmouth and water moxins. And really the moral of the story is, don't mess with them and they won't mess with you. That's the best way to sum it up. And that's that good. can really be said for any wildlife that you don't want to have a problem with. Don't mess with it and it's not going to mess with you. I'm sure there's some exceptions there, but general rule of thumb, that's a good one to remember. Our next myth has to do, and I loved this when I was a kid, has to do with touching toads Mm. so some of you as soon as you hear that you're probably immediately thinking oh because you get warts right and that is a myth you're not going to get warts if you touch a toad on the science side they actually don't even carry the virus and it is a virus that gives us warts they don't even carry the virus to give us warts and their skin is bumpy but it It is is bumpy it is not warts on their skin it looks warty but it's not right right
1: um you know we get warts as humans we actually get them um we can get that virus from other people by touching things other people have touched Mm -hmm. so i'll go out on a limb and say in theory if if you had warts and you happened to touch that toad and i had somehow touched the same spot at the same time yeah i could get warts because of you
0: from the toad from you (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yeah, well, but be... the
1: reality is is that you going out and touching toads, they do not give us warts, right? Right. Um, what is interesting, though, is have you ever seen a dog try to bite one?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. So all, all toads are actually toxic. Ooh. And so when they're threatened, if you just go pick one up, they may pee on you, but if you're not smashing or if you're being gentle with them, they're probably not going to go into admitting this to- toxin. Again, animals work hard to produce this stuff. So if it doesn't have to admit it, it doesn't want to have to go through the energy and the work of producing it again. But if you start seeing any kind of milky substance or admission from a toad, they're su- admitting a toxin, and it is actually strong enough that uh, small animals, it can kill them. Mm. and will make... Uh, your dog nauseous it'll make your dog foam at the mouth a bigger size dog is yeah. gonna spit it out it's gonna be really bitter and nasty tasting and your dog is probably gonna have an upset stomach uh, afterwards doing that. but yes I have seen dogs spit out toads and just be foaming at the mouth like they're rabid
1: well I thought my dog would learn after the first time <laughs> but uh, she's done it multiple times so yeah.
0: I guess she enjoys it I don't know sometimes it's just hard to resist temptation <laughs> More on that later <laughs> uh, what about bees,
1: Ben? You know that was actually not too long ago someone asked us about what uh what happens to the hind end of a bee once it stings you and yeah and we've we've talked to some people about this, but um I think the the current myth is that all bees die after stinging mm-hmm. right that is a myth it is so but there is a type of bee that's impacted severely um once it stings, so share share with us. Right, what it, that there's
0: there's several different species and, and kinds of bees, um, but for instance, if a bumblebee comes and stings you, that's gonna hurt you, pretty bad. Right, but that bee's not gonna die. That's not gonna die. It's only honeybees that when they they sting you, they're actually ripping they're ripping that out of them, um, and it causes trauma to their tiny little bodies, and it a lot of times is is fatal for those honeybees. Now. This is it is a myth, and it's kind of a, a sad myth because of all the bee species, the most important seems to be honeybees. That's the one we're most concerned with. That's the one we're having the, the biggest problems with, losing mm-hmm. our populations of. But also, when I was a kid and I got stung, I had this little piece of solace in my heart. Ha ha, you stung me, now you're dead. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? You but it me, wasn't even you. true. <laughs> it wasn't even true because the thing I've been stung by the least is a honeybee because they're really not that aggressive. Again, unless you grab that sucker and, and smash it, it's not it's not gonna sting you. A good story of that, if you listen to previous couple of podcasts about my trip to Jamaica, they had these soda fountain machines outside on the beach, and every every single spout where each type of coke was coming out was covered and honeybees mm, covered. Wow. And you literally had to beat the side of the whatever flavor of coke you wanted and they'd fly off. And you had to stick your cup in there real quick, fill it up, and then before you could even get it out, they'd be back on there. One time, I was too slow and the coke actually came out and put like 6 or 7 honeybees in into my coke. But never one time in an entire week of people using that and myself using it multiple times a day, I never saw anybody get stung and there were thousands on each coke machine. So
1: is Jamaica where straws were made? Because if you're filling up
0: your drink, how they many had those how many bees are you getting in your drink? They had those daggum paper straws there. <laughs> and I mean, you talk about a worthless I hate paper straws. I mean, yeah. I'm all about not using plastic, but just don't use a straw. But
1: if they keep from bees getting in your mouth, then I
0: ignore. guess so. But but yeah. He I, I actually used a spoon, and I spooned them all out because I didn't want to waste my, <laughs> my coat. <laughs> good I job. I you didn't got, pour it out and start over. No, oh, I spooned them all out, and uh, and I kept my drink. You know, apart. I was
1: stung by a yellow jacket, and right on my right hand, um, the, the meaty part there in between my index uh, finger and thumb. hmm And as I felt it, I looked down, and I flicked it. And when I did, it left behind the stinger, and... I'm gonna say it's hind and it was like a round and the whole thing was pulsating, like you could see it pulsating. So then I flipped it again, which I knew he was dead because yeah. it ripped off his body. But you know, you may have those one offs where you're you're flipping it off or you hit it or you swat it, any kind of bee, whatever that insect is, but bees do not die after they sting. Except for the honeybee. Except for the honeybees. You know, yeah. I've been hit by a wasp two or three times, one wasp. Same way they don't die right after mm-hmm. they sting, and they can sting multiple times as well. So be careful around those, especially if you are allergic to any of them. Be very, very careful. Absolutely. Take heart. All right. You ready for the last animal one? Last animal. Now, this one's crazy. So I'm gonna ask Brian this question. Who <laughs> who is, is tougher? A cougar? A mountain lion or a puma—you have all three, and they're facing each other. Which one's gonna win? Who would be who in a fight, right? Who's <laughs> gonna win in
0: a fight? It's like if Mike Tyson fought Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson was there fighting him.
1: Right. Who would win? Which
0: Mike Tyson's gonna <laughs> win, bro? <Brian? laughs> and the and the reason we're being silly about that is that uh, a cougar, a puma, a panther, a mountain lion are all different names for the same cat kitty cat they're all the, they're all for this the the same cat the largest cat in north america um, but so many people will think that they are different mm-hmm. and i hear black panther a lot of times i don't know if it's because the movie but even before the, the movie came out it was when people referred to a black one which just means they're melanistic There really are black ones but means they produce more melanin some more dark color in their fur that it was a totally different species and it wasn't it's just referring to the same cat they actually have more names and there's some less common ones that people don't hear and one of them is painter and the other is catamount and hmm. I've heard the word catamount before but I didn't know that it referred to, to those cats so if you hear mountain lion panther painter puma catamount they're all referring to the same cat
1: that's good that's good that's that's a short and sweet one there but um, call them whatever you want but know they're the same thing yeah alright now we're going to jump into a little bit of survival real quick now these are pretty quick um, two we hear a lot. One is, man, if you get lost, look for
0: yeah, you're looking moss. For moss. You're looking for moss on the north side of a tree. So that's that's what's being told. That's what's today. being told. It's find find the moss, and you know that's the north side of the tree. And so if you need to go north and follow the same direction the moss is moss is. But now you know southeast and west. But dagummit, that is gonna get you lost.
1: So. My biology buddy here. Yes. Is it even moss? Or is it
0: lichen? A lot of times what, on what on are trees, a lot of times on trees I've seen a lot of people call it moss, but it's actually lichen. Right. Which is a symbiotic relationship between algae and moss. And that's that kind of green. Doesn't quite look like a mushroom, but it's it, it's more of a flaky and you'll see it all over the side of trees. And that's not actually moss. That is a lichen.
1: So I think that's what they're actually trying to say. That they're looking for Mm -hmm. on the north side. They're looking for that thing. But you and I have seen trees with moss completely all the way around the tree. Oh, yeah.
0: From top to bottom, every (laughs) side of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I will say this, that once you find where you, once you know where true north is at, north that you're wanting to go, start looking at trees and see what's on that side of the tree. Mm Mm-hmm. But that doesn't work all the time, and you have to be so careful. So I would add that to other things. Right. Right? So if I see that in the morning the sun is rising, I know the sun rises in the east. So I can match that with possibly looking at what's happening on this tree here. What's this tree doing? Where is it growing? What direction is it? Is it facing towards? We could also look at if there's snow on the ground, which slope's melting first. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many clues that are out there to help you know north south east west don't take this one and say that it's definite and follow it saying that it's north because it's false it isn't always going to be that way
0: if you take a minute to go spend some time um if you're fortunate enough to go spend some time in the forest look around at, at where the moss is growing and you're gonna find that you will you will see it in every cardinal direction you'll see it growing on on eastern facing sides of trees and slopes and as well as the west and the south and the north um, and so if that is something you're going to completely rest on, then you may end up lost. And being lost in a survival situation can lead to you not surviving. And yeah. that's definitely not what we want anybody to do. So be worse. all right. So, if you are
1: lost and it's cold.
0: If you're lost <laughs> and you're thirsty. <laughs> and you're
1: thirsty, there you go. And you're thirsty. Another myth that we hear about is is drinking your, your urine. I
0: want you to address this one because even survivalists on tv shows they go back and forth man they love this one uh-huh. they go back and forth they do and we get asked about it all the time mm-hmm. i mean we'll be on a one night overnight backpacking trip and we've got enough water for four days and people will ask hey if we need to drink our pee can we <laughs> and i say well, i mean you can you
1: can, <laughs> you can. i ain't stopping you yeah. so there is a big there actually is a debate in this um Don't remember which survival show it was, but there's two survivalists that go out together. And the one guy literally said, I've got, I'm so thirsty, I'm going to stop and drink my pee. And the other guy said, you know what? You're nuts. I'm never going to. Don't need to. And, I mean, they go back and forth. And so what is truth in that? You know, just because you can drink your urine, I feel you, you shouldn't drink your urine. Right. When you get into breaking down the human body, why are you urinating? So we look at that first. What is urine, and mostly if, water. Mostly water, but urine that you are releasing, your body doesn't need any more.
0: It, by definition, is waste. Waste.
1: So if that's if if that's the truth, then then you shouldn't be drinking your urine. Correct. So then let's look at at it from a different perspective of go to okay, the trash
0: can and eat the trash.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's it's waste.
0: You're done with it. It's not right. the good stuff.
1: You know, you may be able to pick a few things out of the trash can to eat. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with your urine. So there are ways that you can use your urine for water. But right. you're not going to drink your water your excuse me. You're not going to drink your urine to rehydrate you. Right. Now, before we, we break that down, one other piece of that is there are some that have been through survival situations that have drank their pee that said it was more psychological because their mouths were so dry that just a little moisture in their mouth made them feel like it was worth moving forward and advancing, right? right? But for the human body, they're not getting anything from that. So then how do we use it? There's many ways. You can use, uh, if you got a water bottle, you can pee in that and then It warms up because your urine is the body, is the same temperature as your body, so you can use that to melt snow, and then you could drink that water. You could also create a solar still, where you actually, that's a really fun process. Look it up. Check it out. It's called a solar still. What's great
0: about a solar still is the water that is left in your urine, urine. so Uh as you pee into a solar still, and we can't go into the whole process of of how to build one on, on this podcast episode, but... If you pee in a solar still, the way a still works, it's actually removing just the water and then you're collecting just the water. So all the waste, all the stuff you don't want to go back into your body will still be there. You won't you won't be taking that back in. Now, the downside of that is when you do that, you find out how little water really was left in your urine because it takes so much pee to make any usable, drinkable amount of water in a solar still.
1: Yeah, and this is a really hard one to teach also over the podcast, um, and I don't even know the name of it, but you can take a water bottle, cut the bottom off, and fold the bottom of it inside itself. And you could pee in a helmet, uh, in a bowl, in some sort of larger object, and you could actually set that bottle down on top, and as it evaporates, as the sun's beating down on that and you leave it there, it can not evaporate, and it's the same concept as that solar still. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're not getting enough water period to make it worth it to make it even worth it so if you are setting up multiple stills you know great solar stills um then great but drinking your urine is you can't drink your urine and then pee that again and drink it again and and keep going through this process thinking that you're doing something because you're not you Mm -hmm. you have to rehydrate you have to get new water into your system and so if you're love survival Then dig into where can I find water, what water can I drink, and how do I make it drinkable if I find it um, and it's not drinkable. You know, start going down those those avenues versus ah, if I have to, I'll just drink my urine. Right,
0: and it's yeah, it's an easy way out, but it's not really doing much for you. Um, And some people are probably thinking, thank goodness I didn't want to believe that because I never wanted to think about drinking my pee anyway. So some people are probably thanking us for that news. But uh, let's move on to our next myth and. We are actually going to to turn to the Bible for this one. I have heard this. It has been said to me, told to me, I have told this to people, and that kind of breaks my heart because of how untrue it really is. And it's damaging and it opposes the gospel, and that's why I want to share it. Um, there's a there you know there's a lot of these, but this is just one that we hear all the time. In our culture in the United States, um, Christians say it to Christians, and it is not true, and it is a damaging thing to say, and that is God will not give you more than you can handle. Mm -hmm. You hear it. Somebody's going through a tough time. Hey, you know what? It's it's almost like this building up, like, you got this. You can do this, and the sentiment is good. The sentiment is good, but the message is wrong, and it's gospel opposing. We're going to explain that. God will not give you more than you can handle. That is not true. It isn't true.
1: I think the scripture people turn to...
0: The the one that is referenced, where this is drawn from is is 1 Corinthians 10.13.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to read that. Yes. i want to read exactly what that says. So 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it.
0: Yep. First thing I want to point out, when people use this, they're talking about trials and tribulations. Not People temptation. are going through tough things. This is talking about temptation. Right. Temptation and trials and tribulations are not, they're not the same thing. Temptation is the thing, sin. You're you are being, by your flesh or, or by Satan, you are being tempted to sin. And so that is different than, trials and tribulations will come if you give into that, However, they're two very different things, so it's not really a great parallel. Secondly, I want to point out the very end. But with the temptation, also make the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. The way of escape is Jesus Christ. So what this passage is saying is that the gospel is important. Mm Mm-hmm the gospel that Jesus Christ came because we are all sinners, we're all walking dead, and somebody had to pay for that debt, the debt of our sin, and we need him, and we have to have him. Without him, we're all bound and destined for hell. All of us. Right. And so what this is saying is, he came, he provided a way out. Submit to him, repent, and follow him. He's got your escape. He is your escape plan right here. But if we believe that God will not give you anything that you can't handle, then that's saying that we are our escape plan. We're our own strength, and that's not the gospel. The gospel is that we aren't strong enough that we have to have Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, let me read it this way. So um, God won't give you more than you can handle, right? So He doesn't. God does not promise us that we'll face things that we can handle on our own, Mm-mm. which is exactly what Brian is talking about. Because if we were able to handle everything in life on our own, then why in the world would we need God? Right. Why would we? Often people say this during, the, like you said, trials, tribulations, tough times. I am going to say tough times. But I want to talk about Isaiah 41.10 really
0: fast. Isaiah
1: 41.10. You did. Good job. You said that fast, too. Yeah. That's good. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It is him that is helping you through. Correct. Period.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> He's not giving you the strength. He is the strength mm-hmm. to get through whatever you're going through. And to even drive this point home, one last thing I'd like to say on a little more is, almost everybody and if you haven't yet bad news is you're going to has been in a time in your life where you had the thought I don't know if I can get through this I don't I don't know how I'm gonna get through this I don't know if I can and so when you feel that way you really can't he's he's got to be there to walk walk with you and, and whether you're acknowledging that he is or that he isn't that's up to you and that's something that you you and him need to address together Um but we've all felt that way. We all have those low points of life. He doesn't promise comfort and ease. He actually promises just the opposite of that. Um, but he also promises um, eternal life with him. And, and that's that's the hope. That's the And I I, I hate to use the word hope because the biblical use of hope is, is a promise and a truth. And we use it in our culture as a wish. But hope isn't a wish in the Bible. So his promise is, is that we get to spend eternal life uh, with him. And that is not a myth. And it's not a myth. That is not a myth on, on Myth Monday, but all right. Are you ready for the Christmas bonus myth?
1: Yeah, I, I do I am gonna say a disclaimer really fast though. Yes, okay. say a disclaimer. So for those listening, if you have children with you around you, um that enjoy Christmas as we all do, right. and you know, uh really enjoys learning a lot about Santa Claus and his reindeer. Um yeah. It's time to turn on a Christmas song.
0: Yeah, my preschool age kids aren't, aren't going to hear this part.
1: Right. So right. now's the time to kick it off. And before you do, thanks for tuning in and listening to yes. this podcast. We'd love to, to have you join on the next one. So our last myth, this is the Christmas edition. If you're sticking around. If you're sticking around. It is
0: the day after Christmas right now. Is it? Okay. Yeah.
1: So today's the day after Christmas. We have a myth for you about reindeer. And I want Brian to lay this out so clear for us. What, what do we got going on here?
0: So here's the myth Vixen, Donner, Blitzen, Rudolph, Cupid. Cupid. I don't even know all the names. I think of <laughs> I'd go on to say that those are all boy names, right? Well,
1: when we look at the names, you know. Not boy. even that. Let's just say, let's look at the movie. So, Rudolph, the red reindeer movie that yep. plays, that we watch, where he's playing the reindeer games. His dad covers his nose with. Something black, and the kids can't see his nose. Mm-hmm. Well, the coach comes out, and he's he's talking about all them. They are all boys, right? And then Rudolph sees. I think it's Clarice. Yeah. I think is her name, and she is a doe. Well, she's a girl. She's a girl. I don't mm-hmm. know what they call her on there. And so we we uh, we can gather then that Rudolph and all the buddies are all boys.
0: Or they're all males, correct? Right. So either Santa, maybe. Maybe Santa, it was dark and he couldn't tell. Or maybe it's the fact that reindeer are actually caribou and they're the only one of the 40 deer species that both the males and females have antlers. They're the only one, so both males and females have antlers. So maybe it was summer and he just saw them all out there with their antlers and he gave them all boy names, not knowing that they were all girls. You
1: mean all his reindeer? All
0: his reindeer are girls, and I'm going to use science to prove it. You ready for this? Give it. So, in mid-December, all male reindeer or caribou shed their antlers. So by the time Christmas rolls around, the only reindeer that still have antlers are the females. So if you look at all of Santa's reindeer, if you've seen them, I've seen them around, they're all antlered. They're all antlered. So that shows that they must be Female, so he must have got confused he did. somewhere in there. He did, it happened and gave him boy names. It, but see, that's that's how Myth Mondays ever came about right. because
1: so many people have said the wrong things for so long, they just keep saying it,
0: right? So, what's the difference between a reindeer and a caribou? Nothing, well, nothing. It actually, domestic, oh, yeah, in North America, right? Yeah, caribou refers to wild caribou, and reindeer refers to domesticated. So that's why his a reindeer because he's domesticated Rain, them. reindeer are domesticated caribou, domesticated caribou, right. and then in Europe, caribou are almost always referred to as reindeer. That's good. Yeah, so good. that that is your Santa Claus uh, Christmas bonus myth for you. Boom! Boom! Throw throwing that one out there here the the day after Christmas. You know we got uh, we covered a lot of myths in this one, and we've kept it under an hour, which is kind of unbelievable. This is going to be it for our very last Myth Monday podcast, so we can kiss it goodbye with either happy tears or sad tears. We hope that you guys all had a very, very Merry Christmas and that everybody was safe and healthy, that rest was had, and that people really were able to understand how joyous it was that Christ came to this earth fully man. When I sit and think about that, it blows my mind, because he experienced... The same things I experienced: splinters and runny noses. Well, I don't know. Did Jesus get sick? I don't think Jesus got sick. Nose runs. That's healthy. nose runs when yeah. it's cold. Yeah, yeah, that's part of part of our body. He experienced those things. He he experienced the temptations that I feel. Yet he is God, that is just completely omnipotent and sovereign, and to have to have the authority and the characteristics of God, but to still come and be fully man and human and to feel and experience the things that I feel and experience. I wouldn't want anything else from the leader of my life. I wouldn't want that. So I hope that, I hope that people were able to rest and feel some of that in this Christmas season.
1: Yeah. And I hope that they continue or start and continue to put him first for 2023. Yeah. So start now. It
0: it is tough to put him first because we have to die to ourselves. There's sacrifice um, in that. And, it's not always easy because there are things that feel good and are fun that he does not approve of that we have to put behind ourselves to truly honor and follow him and put him first.
1: But right. it's through his strength anyway? Correct. As, so, we, as we learned earlier. So state it and start trying to do it and he'll do it for you. Right. right. He's, he,
0: yeah. You have to try. There's effort required on on your part. I've hoped that over the last seven months, you guys have enjoyed our Myth Mondays. I hope that you've learned. I've hoped that you've shared it with others. I know some hit home and and some didn't, but we sure had fun sharing them and and researching and and learning along with you guys. We hope that 2023 is a very blessed season for you. We hope that you're going to follow our podcast in 2023. We hope that you find more time outdoors in 2023 and if there's any way that we can help you do that please reach out to us we hope that you are automatically downloading and subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you listen it really does help us if you leave us ratings and reviews on itunes it helps us move up those charts so other people can find it so please just leave whatever rating there's a little if you scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page on itunes you can see the stars pick whatever star you think were worth five being the best one being the worst got a, some kind words or some words of um maybe constructive criticism to leave there for us, please do. Uh, We we would love the guidance. Uh, That is going to be it for the final Myth Monday podcast episode. We will be back on Thursday with another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. But as always, between now and then, please find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandel. Please help us by subscribing. Also, Follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.